Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that Connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our Give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the Word as we look at it together. Well, we're in a series entitled Poor. And this series is about how God pours into our lives that we might live full in Christ to be able to pour into the lives of others and how this generation needs Jesus. This generation needs Jesus, people who are impacted and transformed by the love of Jesus to make a difference in the lives of others. This culture and this generation is in desperate need of Jesus and we wanna see Jesus transform this generation. So I'm going to begin, we're going to look at two main passages together. The first is in Ephesians chapter 3, and then we'll be in John 15. God gave you multiple fingers, so you can manage that. Ephesians 3 and John 15. I want to start in Ephesians 3. In Ephesians 3, we find from the Apostle Paul his heart towards the church in Ephesus, and he explains to them how he has been praying for them. And as I see this prayer, I think it will be instructive for us as today we're looking at life full in Christ. So in Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14, I'm going to read it and explain it and then give us an opportunity to have this be prayed over us as a church. He says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And we see a great sense of humility there, bowing before the Lord. We see a great sense of identity, understanding that the name that really matters is the name of the Lord. And it's his name that really matters even in our own families. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. There, God has vast resources and God's vast resources are made available to us through the Son of God by the power of the Holy Spirit that we might be strengthened with the power that God desires for us to operate deep inside so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. The scriptures are clear that it's the heart of the Father that Christ would be in us and Christ in us would be our hope and that we would dwell richly in Christ and in his word, that we might be filled and full and operating out of the overflow of the love of God. Amen. That we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God desires for our understanding to grow that we would comprehend at a greater level the dimensions of his love for us. Terms like height, depth, 
breadth, length, that our knowledge of his love for us would increase, that we might operate in what this term says, the fullness of God. Life full in Christ. And so I want to give an opportunity for us to enter into this passage through prayer, as it's a passage of prayer. And I want to invite anyone who would want to take the posture of this passage to bow before the Father as we pray over it. I would invite you to do that if that would be something that you would like to do at this time. But we're going to take opportunity to pray this passage over our church family. Father God, Lord, as we look at your word here, we desire what your word describes. We want that. We want that in our lives as individuals. We want that in our lives collectively here as the body of Christ at Big Valley. And so we're coming to you and we are gonna pray your word back to you. And as we pray your word back to you, may we be lined up according to your will And may you answer this prayer and bring this about. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord God and Savior from sin, and all God's family said, amen. This passage describes that we might operate in the fullness of God, life full in Christ, and that Christ is the reason for that. What do the scriptures teach that Christ is full of? In the beginning of the Gospel of John, we'll look at two verses to help explain that. In chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of of grace and truth. What is Jesus full of? He is full of grace and he is full of truth. And the word, the son of God, became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the word, the glory of the son of God, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Last week, I shared an illustration that Pastor Chuck Miller shared with me. Pastor Chuck Miller is with Jesus now. He's doing great. And he, he shared this illustration. It's pitcher cup, saucer, plate. And the pitcher represents God and all that God wants to pour into the lives of us. And, and the cup represents our lives. And as God pours into the lives of us, then our lives overflow with the things that God has poured into our lives onto the saucer, which is really the purpose of the saucer. It's to catch whatever comes out of the cup. And the saucer represents the relationships in our lives. 
however frequent or infrequent we might be with people, that the people, the network of people that God has given us. And then as God's work continues to overflow out of even those relationships onto the plate, and the plate represents locations and events, organizations where we have influence, places where God has called us to be a leader. And so we have this pitcher cup, saucer, plate illustration. And last week we really looked at the pitcher, who God is. Who God is that pours into our lives. Today we're really looking at the cup in the sense of living full in Christ with the things that God has poured into our lives. Two verses later in the Gospel of John in chapter 1, it says, For from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. And so from God being full, he now has filled us that we would operate out of his fullness. He's filled us that we might be full of his grace. And it's stacked on top. It's the grace of God on top of the grace of God. My grandfather, when he would make a sandwich with me when I was a young boy, he'd say, he'd make a peanut butter and honey sandwich. And he'd say, Joeler, if you're going to put it on, put it on thick. And he would just put, he would, he would just layer the peanut butter in the Grandpa's sandwiches were thick. They were messy. Grandpa made a good sandwich. <laughs> God has layered his grace. He has given us grace, and then he decided to give us grace, and then he decided to give us grace, and grace upon grace. He has poured out his grace. God has poured his grace into our lives. And when we think about what are we to be full of, we're to be the full of the stuff that God is pouring into us. His grace. So, life full in Christ. That's what we want. We want to have life full in Christ. I, I don't know anybody who says, you know, in 2023, I really want to be empty. I'm really looking to be barren this year. I'm really looking, you know, to be dry and unsatisfied, right? Just... That's not how people think. That's not how we think naturally about our lives. We all want to be satisfied. We all want to be full. The problem is we often look in the wrong place. But there is life that is full, and that life that is full is in Christ. And that life that is full is in Christ. It includes three essentials. When we talk about the word essential, that's used sometimes when we describe things about products like these oils are essential. Apparently there's oils that are essential. Or these vitamins and minerals are essential. Apparently, those are the ones that you really need. And you don't need the other ones. But when it comes to the essentials about having life full in Christ, the passage we're going to read in John 15. As we read this passage, I'm going to read the entirety of the passage, verses 1 through 11. I want to challenge you as I read it, as we read it together... And if you don't have a Bible, we want to we solve that, okay? So come after the gathering to the altar room. It's a room we pray for people in. We've got Bibles. The church has purchased great Bibles so that you might have it as a gift. Come get a Bible if you don't have one. But as we read this, I want to challenge you to pay attention to what do you hear is essential from this passage that you might have life full in Christ. So listen actively. Read actively. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, 
and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Life full in Christ. Now we're going to walk through this entire passage but this passage has some very obvious themes. It's about a vine and a vine dresser and, and branches and fruit. That there might be fruit. Here we have some grapefruit. Not grapefruit. <laughs> great fruit. Some fruits not as great as others. Grapes are great. God knew what he was doing when he made the grape. This is, this is an amazing expression of fruit and if we desire to have a display of fruit in our lives it needs to be the fruit that God is producing and everything that is essential for the grape to be a grape it did not come from the grape it came from what the grape was connected to and the source that the grape drew from that the grape might be amazing and often we just focus on the fruit and we forget that to make that fruit there had to be some incredible things, core components. And when we talk about having spiritual fruit in Christ, we want to make sure we don't miss what are those essential things. What are those core components that there might be spiritual fruit in our lives? So essential number one, Christ is the true source to fill our lives. Christ is the true source to fill our lives. In the very first verse in John 15, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Let's consider this for a moment. Let's start with the first two words, I am. So the words I am, those are very powerful words in scripture. For instance, when God reveals himself in the Old Testament to his people, he says, I am who I am. And God uses that to call himself by name, I am who I am, declaring I am God. We see Jesus use those words in that same way in the Gospels during his ministry. And Jesus declares that he is I am. He is God. There's another way that he uses those two words, and it's in partnership with some other words, like we see in this verse, and where he says, I am, and then he explains something about who he is. We see this seven times in the Gospel of John. Jesus used this structure saying, I am, the seven I am statements of Jesus. They are, I'm the bread of life. 
I'm the light of the world. I'm the door for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. And so Jesus is helping us understand something about who he is. He says, I'm the true vine, which means that there are false vines, vines that are not true. And Jesus is declaring, I am the true vine in contrast to those vines that are not true. And my father is the vine dresser. So the son of God is calling himself the true vine and he's recognizing God the father is the vine dresser, the farmer, the grower, the worker who's managing, taking care of the vine, working the vine. And Jesus is using vine imagery and vine imagery has been used previous in the scripture. But it's been used in some different ways. Some of the ways that vine imagery was used in the scripture is God would use the vine imagery to talk about the nation of Israel. And sometimes in that context, it's in the sense that they were not obeying the Lord. And so the vine imagery was pointing to really what was an experience of their disobedience before the Lord. What Jesus is doing now is he is resetting the standard for the vine imagery and he's resetting the standard on himself. And he's saying, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. The second verse says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. The first phrase here is important for the context of this verse, every branch in me. So the branches he's talking about in this statement are branches that are in him, branches in Jesus. One category of a branch in Jesus is a branch that does not bear fruit. And what the father, the vine dresser, the grower, the farmer does is he takes those branches away. And then there's another branch that's in Jesus. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So the father, the vine dresser, the grower, the farmer, he addresses the branches that are bearing fruit and he prunes them. And why would he do that? Since they're already bearing fruit, why would he prune them? Well, it gives us the answer right here, that it may bear more fruit. Part of the experience of abiding with Jesus and having relationship with Jesus, who's the true vine, and having God the Father, who's the vine dresser, work on the true vine and the branches is that some of the things that happen are branches that are being taken away and branches that are being pruned. And that may not always be a very pleasant experience. That branches are being taken away and branches are being pruned. But it will always lead to the goodness of God because it says that they may bear more fruit. And so as God is working in our lives and he's choosing to do some things, maybe take some things out of our lives, maybe cut back some things that are in our lives, and we may be thinking and going, well, I thought that was really a good thing. How come, I'm, you know, how come that's having to get taken away? Well, maybe God sees something that's better. And he, as the master vine dresser, is doing a work to manage our lives that we might lead to a place of actually being more fruitful for God. And so where we might have a great opportunity to learn when we look at a verse like this is that we'd be submissive to the work that God wants to do in our lives because he's got a great plan he's working out a plan that will bear more fruit so when we see this display of grapes 
man, we realize that for this display of grapes to happen, it needed the true source because everything that's inside each one of these grapes came from the true source. And as we think about the spiritual fruit that God wants to have in our lives, it is essential that we are connected to the true source of Jesus Christ because it is from the true source of Jesus Christ that everything that the spiritual fruit contains is gonna find its true source in. Essential number two, Christ is the only connection to fill our lives. Christ is the only connection to fill our lives. In the next verse, we find something very interesting. Verse three, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you are clean. He, he says, I'm the vine, and there's the vine dresser. My father's the vine dresser, and, and branches that don't bear fruit are taken away. Branches that do bear fruit are pruned because there's gonna be more fruit. And the very next thing he says is, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. My, my encouragement for us is we need to ingest large amounts of the word of God. We need to take in large amounts of the word of God. We need to welcome into our lives large amounts of the word of God. Recently, there was a member of my small group, one of the guys who said, I wanna know, does anyone wanna read the entire Bible with me this year? And I'm thinking, somebody wants to read through the entire Bible? Yeah, I wanna do that. I wanna read through the entire Bible with you. There's 28 guys now who are reading through the entire Bible. And I share that with you. We just, just this morning, I finished up Job. That was a good one. The ending's awesome. <laughs> it's not going in order. It's kind of hopping around the way that we're doing it. But my encouragement is have a plan to read God's word. Have some partners that you're gonna read God's word with. Have some accountability. Put some purpose to it because we really need to have the word of God in our lives and we need to take it in in large quantities. There are some other things we take in in large quantities. We need to have the word of God that we would take in in large quantities. We need to welcome it into our lives. He says you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so Jesus wants us to abide, to remain, to, to be stuck together with him and for him to be in us. And in the same way that the, the branch that used to hold these grapes, the branch that used to hold these grapes could not bear these grapes on its own, we cannot bear fruit as a branch unless we are connected to the vine. Unless you abide in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. I think that's pretty clear. That's very straightforward. Jesus is saying he's the vine, he's saying we are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Let's look at this last word, nothing. What this word means is nothing. That's hard for a guy like me to accept because I like to think that I am Something. And Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And yet how often do I try and go do something apart from Christ? Which is always unsuccessful. Because from apart from Christ, I can do 
nothing. And it might be that you've been trying to do some things apart from Christ. It might be you need some help because you've been trying to do it on your own, you've been trying to do it apart from Christ, and maybe you need some community to encourage you, which is exactly why we have put together all of these opportunities in life groups and classes and courses, because we want to help encourage one another. Let's be pointed to Jesus Christ. And we need encouragement in that. We need to encourage one another. Let's be connected to Jesus. And so it might be that you're going, you know what, I need to get into a group. I need to be with some other people where we're going to together realize we can't do it on our own. We gotta be connected to Jesus. We're gonna encourage each other. It might be that some things aren't going so hot in some areas of your life. Maybe there's some relationships that aren't going so hot. Maybe things aren't going so well in your marriage. Maybe you're sucking wind and you're exhausted. Well, we've got an opportunity to encourage you. There, there's one I wanna highlight here. Pastor Ben is leading a marriage class. I asked him to put together a video to share with us about what they're gonna be doing. And this might be an opportunity for you or for someone you know. And so check out this video regarding the new marriage class that's coming up. Hey guys, Pastor Ben here. Did you know that marriage is something that God dreamed up? Matter of fact, it did not even exist in eternity past. And it's something that is not gonna take place when we're with them in eternity. It's a precious gift that God gave to us as humanity. Um, and because of that, we, my wife and I, would love to spend about six weeks talking about what it means to hold fast to that precious gift. And of course, hold fast is a nautical term, right? Uh, where we have one hand that's holding tightly to our, our spouse and the other hand is reaching to the Lord as as hopefully he guides us into where he believes our marriages should be. And so we're gonna talk about, you know, some of those issues that you hear about in every single marriage conference and class that you go to, intimacy, communication, expectations. But let me just be clear that it's not the class that changes our marriages or changes us as individuals, it's the Lord who does that. And that's what we're gonna be hoping to accomplish and see together as a, as a group of people. So thanks for giving me a few moments. We'll see you. So that class, plus many others, are, are in this. And I just would encourage you to consider how is it that maybe you would partner with some people as you're following Jesus together, that you wouldn't do that alone. We'd encourage each other that everything we need is gonna be in him. In verse six, it says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And so we have this display of grapes. And we go, how is it that this, this display of grapes came to be? Well, it's because they needed the connection. They needed the connection. And that connection is in Christ. Christ is the true source for the spiritual fruit that we need in our lives. And Christ is the only connection. And as we seek to be living a life that is full in Christ, we have to be having that be filled from the true source and the only connection to actually receive what the true source wants to give us. All of that is in Christ. And so is essential number three, and that is Christ is everything we need to fill our lives. Christ is himself everything we need to fill our lives. He explains this in the next verses. In verse seven, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Notice that this verse is not 
just the second half. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. God is not your genie in a bottle where you can command him around. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Because if I'm abiding in Jesus and Jesus' words are abiding in me, it's going to line up my requests with Jesus. It's going to line up the things I'm asking for with Jesus. And as I ask according to how Jesus would want me to ask, he is going to answer. And that's a great instruction for what changes in prayer. Well, prayer changes us. It lines us up with God, gets us lined up with where God wants us to be that we might really be able to receive from him and act according to what he would want. And so he welcomes, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? To have that type of relationship with the Lord, that my heart would be lined up with him, that I would ask for the right stuff and I would see the Lord answer prayer. That sounds fantastic. Verse eight, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How is God the father going to receive worship because of our lives? Well, when our lives bear spiritual fruit because of him, he's glorified. How is the world going to know that we are followers of Jesus Christ and that Christ has redeemed us? Well, when our lives are bearing spiritual fruit, it points to the world, it has the world then have their attention pointed to God. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Verse nine, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. God the Father loving God the Son. God the Son in the same way loving you. Does God love you? Yes, God loves you. How does that work? Well, God the Father has loved God the Son, and God the Son has loved you in the same way that he has been loved by the Father. And he's asking for you to remain in that love. Stay put in God's love. Stay put in God's love. Remain in God's love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, also says, if you love me, you will obey me. So Jesus is being really clear. There are commandments that he has given us, and we are to keep those commandments. And if we do, we will abide, we will remain in his love. In the same way that he has already modeled for us, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in in his love. Now, when we open up our Bibles and read our Bibles, we're going to find out that there are some commandments that are actually difficult to do. It's hard sometimes to obey Jesus. But it always leads to the place where he wants us to be. Amen. Obedience to Jesus is not always a piece of cake, it's not always smooth. Sometimes obedience to Jesus actually makes things more difficult as we follow him. My wife and I have tried to take that serious as we have considered what has the Lord asked us to do in our family. 
And one of the places that we believe that God has asked us to do is to welcome children into our home. That has not always been really easy. In fact, many times it has been very hard to obey what we believe God has asked us to do. And because our family is big and gets lots of attention, we get lots of questions, my wife and I put together a video to share with our church family, answering some of the common questions people ask about our family. And so if you want to take advantage of that, you can go to YouTube, just put in my name, Joel Boone. It'll, it'll be easy to find the channel there, and you'll see the, a video that my wife and I, we just answer questions about what it was to have a big family and what it was to be obedient, and we give an encouragement to you that whatever God would be calling you to do, that you would be obedient to the whatever he's calling you to do. And so that might be a great resource for you and an encouragement to you. You can take advantage of that. Ultimately, we want to encourage one another. Let's be obedient to Jesus. In verse 11, the passage, we'll stop here in, in this passage. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus wants us to experience the fullness of him. His joy filling us up, that our life would be full in Christ. And when we think about a display of grapes, when we think about having spiritual fruit, Everything that the grapes needed was found in the vine. And everything that the spiritual fruit in our lives needs, everything that's essential for it, is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the true source to fill our lives. He is the only connection to fill our lives. And Christ is everything we need to fill our lives. As the psalmist by the power of the Holy Spirit, looking forward to the Messiah, said this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is what is true to have a relationship with Jesus. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It might be that today God is doing a great work in you as you are considering this passage and his word and what it is that he wants for you. And it might be that you're recognizing that God is stirring in your heart. I want you to know we would love to be praying for you. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but we would love to continue to pray for you. And one of the ways you can let us know of how we could keep praying for you is through that Connect card. You could use that connect card to let us know this is what God is doing in my heart. This is how he's stirring. And I'd like for you to keep praying for me. You can fill that connect card out. You can place it in any of the black boxes that are next to the exits before you leave. And that'd be a way for us to continue praying for you. But I'd like to pray for us all right now. Father God, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that Christ is the true vine. And thank you that we must be connected to Christ. And thank you that everything that you want to produce in our lives, you will supply through Christ. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to to know Christ and to focus on Christ and to see Christ as central, central for our lives. And that as we do that, we might live a life that is full in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we are asking for your help. Would you lead us and guide us 
We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said. Amen. Amen.